What's up, everybody? It's Friday. You know what that means. Um, or maybe you don't because I missed the past couple Fridays. I'm so sorry. I've been busy, and keeping a podcast uh, up to date is remarkably hard, you know, especially something as uh, tedious as this. I mean, throughout the week, I have to research these artists that I'm about to talk about to make sure I don't fuck up all that bullshit. Plus, I do another Friday segment now. <clears throat> I do these beer reviews on our uh, Instagram page, uh, Drink Local Two and Nine. <laughs> a little self promotion there. So, if you want to get on Instagram and check that out, give that a like, give that a share. You know, do do your thing. Um, but anyways, uh, this is episode seven, I believe, of Mike Makes Playlist. Thank you for sticking with me this long. Uh, ugh, wow, why did I sound like I had a lisp there? Thank you for sticking with me this long. Um, seven episodes. Wow, that's a milestone. I'm being. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> anyways. In case you're new to this, this is Mike Makes Playlist. This is the podcast where I, the host, Mike, literally make a playlist, and then I explain to you, the listeners, the viewers, uh, the songs within them. Uh, and these aren't just random playlists. I, uh, I, I, I make them themed, and I try to give a good theme and a good context as to why I believe these songs are important to the culture, to music. So yeah, let's get into it. Uh, this week we were talking about debut albums from the year 2000 to the present. Um, the reason I did this and I didn't focus on a decade is just because uh, a lot of the bands I'm into right now have been around for the past two decades. Um, but there's also a couple bands on here and artists that uh, only have one album out. And the reason I'm putting them on this playlist and the reason I'm going to talk about them is because in my heart, in my soul, in my brain, I truly believe that these artists that I place on here are going to have either a fantastic career or just an overall you know, well-rounded body of work. Um, I, th I believe the artists on here that have one album or have just debuted an album not too long ago uh, will have a successful and impactful music career, and I'm really excited about it. Um, and actually, the first artist we're going to be talking about today is one of those artists, and it is Oliver Tree. Now, if you know me, infatuation with Oliver Tree, you know my, um, you know my intrigue on his persona. Uh, I, I studied journalism and communications in college, so there was a lot of times where I used him as an example of uh, a couple papers that I wrote. Um, you know, I wrote a, I wrote a paper about his music videos and his online persona one time. So I've done a lot of studying on this guy. I kind of understand where he's coming from, and I feel like a lot of people don't. Um, so I'm really excited to be talking about him today, especially the first song of this playlist, and it is the first song off his debut album, "Ugly Is Beautiful." The song. So up until this point, up until the point of his debut that just came out a couple of days ago as of the day that I'm recording this podcast, um, all the singles that Oliver Tree has uh, either teased or released, especially with their music videos, have been like kind of a poppy kind of version of, I guess, SoundCloud rap. Um, you know, everything's very, I wouldn't say overproduced, but that's what it feels like sometimes, um, even though it works for him. Everything is overproduced. Everything is very structured. Um, which has led to my theory of him being an industry plant, and I'll get into I'll get into that later. If you see me in public, you know, let's get a coffee. Let's talk about why Oliver Tree is an industry plant. I have so many, so many facts to share about that. But that's one thing that, if anything, hurts but also helps Oliver Tree is the structure of his songs because 
what a lot of people don't realize is uh, Oliver Tree's persona is supposed to be the antithesis of a pop star. Um, you know, pop stars who are in the limelight <clears throat> are often seen to be likable. They're often seen to be um, personable. And I can't remember the term, but there is a, a sort of relationship that viewers and fans uh, experience while following uh, these famous people on Instagram and Twitter, you know, especially in the days of nowadays of uh, social media. Um, oh, parasocial, that's what it's called. So parasocial relationship is when you feel like you know this famous person because of the way they post and they um, they tweet. Um, if you're a fan of them, you're following them, uh, you're going to experience this parasocial relationship. With Oliver Tree, you don't experience that because it feels like to some degree he's always in character. And I don't know what that character is. It's this unlikable, spoiled brat that wants to be a meme and he is and he makes fantastic memes you know it's the bowl cut it's his mom's ski jacket it's the fucking oversized jenko jeans it's insane um and that is a style of persona used by uh wwe wrestlers and other professional wrestlers of that degree because it, they're always in character because of their fans they don't want the fans to be let down with the fact that everything that they're doing in the ring is fake it's scripted you know um, so they keep that persona even outside the ring to make it seem like they are constantly in character. That's who they are. And I think that this persona almost consumed Oliver to a point. Um, even now, I mean, <clears throat> his, his interviews with Fantano and MTV have said something about him making this album and never making music again. But he said that before. I mean, the last tour he went on, he called it his farewell tour. And that was before he even released or even announced this album. So that's the, that's the thing about Oliver Tree. He's always keeping you on his toes, on your toes. Back, sorry, I, I went on a tangent. Back to uh, the song structure. So uh, everything you've heard so far before the album, uh, you know, Alien, uh, Alien Boy, um, All I Got, his song Fuck, they're all kind of overproduced, structured, like, pop songs. But the, the first song on his debut album is this fantastic kind of alternative pop punk, uh, like, pop song with the distorted, distorted um, power chords and then his over-chorused and reverbed voice. Um, and that beat behind it, man, it just so, it's so clean and so catchy. And the breakdown, I mean, like, I love everything about this song and the song right after it, which is 1993, which features um, EDM artist Lil Ricky on the production. Um, and, sorry, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Oliver Tree, man, this is crazy. Uh, his debut album was fantastic. I absolutely loved everything about it because it takes you through the spectrum of music when everyone expects this one certain sound from him, you know, the Alien Boy kind of sound, but he takes you through rap songs, he takes you through rock songs. I mean, there's a song on there that sounds just some, like something straight out of a Caged Elephant archive, you know? Um, I think... Oliver Tree, should he continue making music, is going to have one of the most successful careers out there. Not only because of his persona, which I'm hoping to see fade eventually. I'm hoping to see the real Oliver Tree. Because listening to these songs and the theme of this album is feeling like an outcast. Feeling like you're not understood. Along with, you know, severe uh, bouts of depression with uh, not knowing who you are. And I think that kind of works into his persona as well. Um... Should he keep doing this and his persona fades and keeps making music of this quality, it's going to be a fantastic career for him. The, my favorite part about this album is that it's not perfect. It's so good, but there's so much room for improvement, and you can tell that the sky's the limit for this kid. You know, It's not like the Billie Eilish debut, you know, which blew up, 
rightfully so. It's a solid album, right? But now this 18-year-old kid, she has access to every producer in the world that wants to work with her. So what is that going to do for her music? With Oliver Tree, I feel like he's so close to his art and what he wants his sound to be like that the influence of those other big-name producers and such will not have an impact on his music, which I'm really excited about. Um, end of rant. That's my Oliver Tree um I guess, spark notes of uh, how I feel about him and his music. Let's go on to a more prolific artist, another very popular artist nowadays. I feel like uh, this artist in particular has really picked up uh, a white girl fan base, which I'm not upset about. He's fantastic, uh, and I love his music. It is Tame Impala, and the song we're featuring off his debut album, uh, Inner Speakers, is... You guys ever seen those memes where it's like, um, did you know that uh, uh, Tame Impala isn't just a band, it's one person, his name's Kevin, he makes all his music in his bedroom. Those fucking like, uh, people who think they're music elitists, but they're not. <laughs> those make me laugh every time. Um, this song is very popular off of his uh, debut album because it was sampled by, I believe, ASAP Rocky a couple years later. Um, I feel like Tame Impala has strong influence on a lot of modern trap music, and I know he produces... Bits, bits and pieces here and there for like Travis Scott and everyone just because I feel like uh, trap is going in that psychedelic area nowadays, which I think is cool. I mean, Kid Cudi. I think um, what Kevin has done for the genre of alternative music is fantastic. I think a lot of people kind of rethink it now um, because, like I said earlier, I mean, he records a lot of this himself and then he tours with Pond, um, which is uh, another band out of, I believe they're out of New York and Kevin's from Australia or something like that. I could be getting those mixed up. But, um, you know, he didn't really burst onto the scene with this song. I think he was still kind of underground, and it wasn't until um, his uh, third album, you know, which everyone knows and loves, recently Currents, um, that he really kind of blew up, rightfully so. Uh, fantastic artist. I love that he brings that psychedelic edge to the production. I believe that... A lot of people think that rock and roll should just be guitars and drums, but he is kind of proving, oh, sorry. He is kind of proving that you can do anything with a computer and make it sound great as long as there's good intention behind it. And I believe his, um, how do I say this, the arrangement of instruments that he has on his albums and his songs is fantastic there's layers and layers and layers of shit that you just can't even you like if you listen one time you won't be able to pick it up but i mean get stoned and you listen to it and you kind of feel the layers more than anything um i mean he is the perfect album uh, album he's the perfect artist to get stoned to which i mean everyone loves doing everyone likes getting high to tame impala everyone likes dancing to tame impala um so i mean the legacy he's gonna leave is hopefully gonna be I don't know, because that last album he put out, the one he just put out uh, a couple months ago, is great, but it's not Currents, you know? It's not groundbreaking. I feel like he kind of did the same thing, which isn't a bad thing, but I feel like, I'm hoping this isn't true, but I feel like right now he's kind of stuck on that kind of sound when, 
I mean, the sound from inner speaker to currents was immensely evolved and different um, and more thoughtful. And I feel like this one was kind of just like a mainstream version of currents of what he wanted. I mean, there were still fantastic cuts on that album, but as a whole, um, it didn't hit like currents and it also didn't, uh, didn't hit like lonerism. I believe lonerism is his best album. I love it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to talk about Kevin Parker because he just is such an enigma at times, you know, and I, you know, so fun fact, the, the name of this, the, the theme of this playlist was going to be unconventional artists. Um, so I started writing him and Oliver Tree down and I was going to put like Frank Ocean and shit on here, but then I just kind of determined like, I think conventional ambiguous word. Uh, it can mean anything and there's there's actually no radar or meter to rate how conventional an artist is so i decided to you know take a deep dive into some artists that i uh admire such as tame impala and talk about their debuts a little bit um i think this album gets forgotten a lot because i mean you have currents and you also have um lonerism fuck what i'm sorry i blanked out there for a minute uh so this one kind of gets thrown to the wayside even though this is a fantastic album and a fantastic like look back at how far he's come because i think to the average listener it's kind of sound everything kind of sounds the same uh it doesn't sound like he's evolved that much but i think the context of let's say not his lyrics so much but the way he arranges his songs on the album tells a more cohesive story and sends you through the the perfect amount of moods and i know he's a he's a perfectionist when it comes to this shit so i wish i knew everything that goes through his mind on this on this kind of projects but no one ever will um so tame impala kevin parker fantastic artist and very influential to a lot of hip-hop nowadays and i believe we're going to be hearing it a lot more on um, alternative bands as well because um, we're, go- we're all going through this kind of like 70s and 80s phase right now where all the, the popular alternative is influenced by um, Prince and like the synth uh, the synth style of the 80s. And then a lot of the rockier garage ba- like uh, alternative bands are going through a garage 70s revival. Um, and I believe now the next wave is like the psychedelia which I'm hoping will produce a, a fantastic array of artists. Um, there is this one named Boa from Louisville. I saw them play. They have a live snake on them when they're playing. And they're all psychedelic, but they're not like uh, this produced as uh, Kevin. They play with, you know, regular instruments live. There's two of them. It's pretty fantastic. So um, anyways, let's move on. That's <laughs> that's my uh, scattered thoughts about uh, Tame Impala. But we're going to go on to another artist that I love. Uh, I think everyone loves. They kind of jumped into the mainstream pretty quickly. Actually, I believe this album probably did it for them because uh, – Everyone knows the their most popular song off this album, which is Ain't No Rest for the Wicked. That's right. We're talking about Cage the Elephant. Um, I remember seeing these guys at Lollapalooza a couple years ago with my friend Brady, um, and he's from Louisville, and Cage the Elephant is from the Kentucky area, which they never claim, which is kind of lame. Um, but we had a really good time. Um, we were in the pit, and this song was playing, and right up at, as the uh, you know that that the build up to the chorus, 
and right before the chorus hits, the snare drum fucking hits, all right? And we're opening up the pit, and Brady is in the middle of the pit for some reason. And like, you know, there's hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds of people, and it's this gigantic pit, and he hits a backflip and lands it as the snare hits, and then everyone just fucking destroyed. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, um, like, at a concert. It was so much fun. Uh, these guys are an absolute trip live. If you've never seen them, Holy shit, do yourself a favor. Uh, whenever this, uh, you know, COVID restrictions are loosened and we kind of flatten the curve and it's safe for everyone to uh, return to enjoying live music, the first artist you should see is Cage the Elephant if they're playing in a town near you. Matt Schultz and company is like, it looks like, I don't know how to explain it because the, the amount of energy they, they give during like a two-hour show is stupid. There's no reason to have that much energy. Um and unironically, this album is actually my favorite of theirs. I love the garage kind of um, 70s sound they have. It's really grungy and gritty. The production isn't polished. Um, it's It feels like uh, it was recorded on analog, and it has kind of that grain sound to it. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I can describe it better than that, but KG Elephant really pounces on the alternative scene here. And eventually the mainstream... Um, scene because uh ain't no rest for the wicked kind of really popped off as a song i mean it was on it was featured on playlists all over and has been on all every, damn near every mainstream um uh, alternative radio station and then that of course led to uh, eventually the third album melophobia which has excuse me which has a slew of singles that are equally fantastic but this album has a sense of nostalgia and kind of grittiness that you know when you listen to it, you can tell that this band has something to prove. I mean, their first fucking song, In uh, in One Ear, is like a fucking huge fuck you. It's damn near a diss track to like uh, all mainstream uh, listeners that ever doubted them or think that they would never do something. I mean, the first song off the first album is literally saying, hey, listen, we're here and we're going to be here for a long time. And now here they are five albums later. Um, still, I mean, so they're selling out arenas now. Um, it's it's been quite a ride for Cage the Elephant while still kind of remaining who they are, and that's my favorite part about them because you listen to this album and then should um, social cues. <clears throat> it's it sounds like almost two completely different bands, but they're not. I think the evolution they've had in their music has been one of the most significant in this kind of genre, the history of this genre, because I feel like this is the problem with pop punk. The problem with pop punk is that um, all these bands kind of, they sound the same, yes, and I'm a huge fan of pop punk, that's me just saying this, but they start off with these catchy yet uh, equally depressing tunes, and then they kind of just copy and paste that throughout their career, you know? When they start out, they're like mid-20s uh, talking about girls that they have crushes on, and then, you know, then all of a sudden they're 40, yeah, they're four, they're four albums in, and they're still talking about the same shit, you know? It's the same thing Blink-182 is doing and why they, they've sucked for the past couple decades. Um, but Cage the Elephant, they kind of grow with who they are as human beings. They grow with their um, instrumentation. They grow with their arrangement. And they grow with their subject matter. Um, I just, I mean, like, the, the evolution from this to Tell Me I'm Pretty is fantastic because they go from greasy gr uh, gritty garage rockers to the sophisticated classy kind of like alternative rockers um it's like they saw their dreams into fruition but it didn't change who they are because you still have that 
gritty kind of production. Nothing sounds over-polished, and nothing sounds too poppy. Nothing sounds like it was literally made to be on the radio, with exception to that one song they did with Beck off their, uh, their last album. Worst song on the album. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of that song at all. I know they, dis- they probably did that as a, a publicity piece, but other than that, they are just so good at making sure that every song sounds like a Caged Elephant song, and they don't ever sound like they're selling out. And I hope they don't. You know, I hope I hope this is how they continue to evolve their music as they grow older. Because like they're not mid twenty kids anymore. They're they're all grown adults. Most of them have families. I mean, Matt Schultz is like this prolific painter in New York now. I mean, he does so many live um, like paintings and other kind of art and uh, public art, which I think is super interesting because his art looks exactly like the way his singing sounds. So to say that this debut worked perfectly for, I mean, everything else that was going on in 2008, um, Panic at the Disco, uh, the top song in 2008 for Alternative was uh, Nine of the Afternoon by uh, Panic at the Disco, which is another fucking flop, you know, that that band has turned uh, total trash. But I mean, also, You're Gonna Go Far Kid by The Offspring and Salute Your Solution by The uh, uh, Racketeurs, man, I can never fucking pronounce them. Also, I will possess your heart by Death Cab for Cutie, which is a band I wanted to put on here until I realized that their first album came out in like 1990. Crazy. Uh, anyways, you know they they put out an album that was going up against these um, established artists, and they still came out on top. They still were able to g- uh, gather a following and then released a fantastic sophomore effort. Um, Thank You, Happy Birthday, which features uh, Aberdeen and uh, Rubber Ball and other fantastic hits. And then finally, their magnum opus, which has been, uh, so far, which has been Melophobia. Um, you know, they, they have established themselves as status band. So um, I'm really excited to see what the future has in store for Matt Schultz and his brother and um, the other members in the band. Uh, and I really hope it turns out better than the next band we're talking about. Um, when it comes to debut albums, I always cite this band in particular for having a fantastic debut and a weak rest of the catalog. And no, we're not talking about Weezer. We're talking about we're talking about The Strokes and their song "Barely Legal." Show me. I apologize if I sound rambly. I think that talking to yourself is fucking weird. <laughs> so um, yeah, I apologize if all my my thoughts seem scattered. Maybe just go over it again. Give it another listen to because it makes sense. It makes sense in my head. Or um, like I said, let's go get a coffee and let's talk about all this shit in person uh, because I would love to hear other people's opinion on this. I think The Strokes' debut album is fucking perfect. I love everything about it. They established this song. I mean, it's, uh, they established this sound that they are known for. Um, you know, it's kind of, it, it's not as grungy as what Cage the Elephant's debut is. It's like this clean kind of, I mean, you can tell they're using a Fender St- uh, Stratocaster and Telecaster on this, on this record. Um, 
Julian Casablanca's fucking vocals are very chorused and reverbed, um, which I'm a slut for. And it's very, it, uh, he shows no range in it, but the way he sings and the way it matches with the melody of the guitars and the simple sound of the drums, you know, it, it feels like they're holding back the whole time. They're, they're showing restraint. And I think that's my favorite part about it because, um, I mean, when you see them live and some of their other songs that uh, they can really go hard on, they go hard, you know. Um, but this album is a perfect example of restraint in an artist, but not too much. They show what they can do but they leave you wanting more, which I love. And, you know, they have a slew of fantastic singles after this um, from the couple albums, but there has yet to be an album by these guys that has landed the solid punch that this one has. I am not a fan of the new Abnormal. Um, I listened to it, and I think it was too much of a departure from their former sound, which, I mean, I'm always for artists uh, switching it up and trying to become something bigger than what they used to be. But I believe that this, what they just did on that album was, um, how do I say this? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't want to get into that right now. I think we can get into that another time because we're talking about their debut album. This is it. Um, anyways, I it, the New Abnormal did not work for me, but This Is It did, and I think it inspired a whole generation. I believe that, I mean, Cage the Elephant was strongly inspired by this album. Um, and a lot of, I mean, like, I'm a huge fan of Twin Peaks and White Reaper. They were definitely inspired by this album. Um, so to be able to create a, um, an album like this, and then even with albums that did not perform to this level, still kind of, they, they built up that... Um, that reputation of these New York rockers that kind of paved the road for a lot of alternative bands ever since. Uh, this was released in 04, no, 01. This was released in 01. Um, and since then, alternative music has made such a fucking leap, um, mostly within the past decade becoming uh, fairly popular. But back then, man, I mean, with this as uh, at the forefront, Man, I, I can't imagine if this album was never made. I can't imagine the sounds of alternative music if this was never made. So hats off to the Strokes for This Is It. Um, damn near every song on this album is perfect. I love it. Um, I would actually really rate this album like a 9.5 to a 9.9. Uh, this is this is as close to a perfect album as I, I've ever heard. I'm a huge fan of it. I used to know every word. I haven't listened to it in forever just because, like, I mean, at one point you just... When you, when you keep listening to stuff, you get you put yourself in a music drought, and I never want to do that. Um, but I like to re revisit this album from time to time. That's probably what I'm going to spend all day while I'm working. So uh, if you don't agree with me, get fucked. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, if you don't agree with me on this, um, you're wrong. You're simply wrong. I think the, the impact The Strokes has had on modern alternative music and even modern rock music has been phenomenal. Because of them, I think that the idea of the counterculture of um, modern pop music has been born. I think that because of them, it is it is more popular for artists like um, uh, Cage the Elephant, you know, to create music still with, I guess, real instruments rather than relying on a structured kind of um, like relying on song structure and catchy hooks, you know. Even though the Strokes have plenty of catchy hooks, so. That's it on my rant on the strokes. Let's get into another artist that only has one album out, but I believe is going to be fantastic um, with a career. Uh, we're talking... Now, this band is comprised of three actors, actually. 
Um, the lead, the lead singer, I can never remember his name, but the lead singer is uh, most popular for his role in um, Thirteen Reasons Why. So I think that's why they have garnished such a white girl fan base. I know I keep saying that. I'm sorry if that offends anyone. That's just like the best way for me to describe it. Um, that's, I mean, I think the reason that they have garnished that kind of fan base is because of their acting um, and what they've acted in, but. This is more than just a couple of actors that just have a band. This is, I, I'm pretty sure, I, I, forgive me if I'm wrong, guys, if you ever hear this, but I think that their true passion is music. And you can tell in the way they write the songs and the way they structured this album in particular. Um, so from the, uh, from the debut Wallows album, I first heard of Wallows uh, a couple years ago, and I uh, I saw them once, and there was a f- I think they were an opener for I can't remember who they were opening for, but I remember all the all the like teenage girls in the crowd going fucking crazy for them. All right, oh, is the the lead singer's name is Dylan something? All right, I, I'm getting close, but I heard of them. I saw I remember they were opener for someone I believe at the House of Blues, right? And I had heard their EP. And I had, there's a couple, I mean, there's five songs on there, and, there, and a couple of them really stuck with me. But seeing them live was a different thing because they not only did they translate it, they, they put a different spin on it live, which I love when artists do that. Um, you know, the lead singer does this Smiths cover of This Charming Man, and it is unbelievable, you know? And I, I absolutely fell in love with them there. Ended up seeing them twice um, that later that summer at Lollapalooza and uh been blown away both times uh shortly after that i think the next year or maybe later that year they released their debut album um which ended up being my favorite album to this day of 2018 uh i man that that album just kind of blew me away and i think it's the organization and arrangement of the songs on it um to tell a kind of it, it's it's not so much telling a cohesive story as as much as it's, it controls the um, the mood that that goes through your 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 brain as you listen to it. The bookends of the album are the stealer, like the, the like what's still a show. Man, why am I stumbling so much? The bookends of the uh, of the album is what steals a show. The first two songs, how they flow into each other, and then the last two songs, how they flow into each other, is just oh, absolutely magical. I mean, that last song they have on this record is. Oh, so good. And I think this song sticks out the most because of its buildup and also the riff on the guitar. I mean, everything they play on guitar when it comes to like a riff or a solo kind of side is pretty complex. Um, the tones they use are fantastic. Uh, everything they do music, I mean, uh, voice editing wise is fantastic. And just the way the how the album is produced and these songs are produced is amazing because these are actors that probably have access to a lot of um, famous producers and top top of the line engineers, but it still sounds, uh, you know, forgive me for repeating myself, but it still sounds gritty. It doesn't sound polished, and that's what I love about it because even though these are kids that are starring on you know huge shows on Netflix and shit that kind of production for this music for this kind of music still feels human to me more than anything um they still have a small following even though like 
I feel like a lot of they ha- they have a lot of stands. Um, and I'm really excited to see what the future holds for Wallows because every song they've released after this, I mean, I think they have the, that single "Okay." Man, what a fantastic song! Um, and I love how it's poppy without being poppy. It's it's still alternative. It's still rocky. Um, and I think that everything that they're going to produce afterwards is going to be heartfelt and um, amazing because these are kids. These are kids that I know. One of them from Chicago. And, um, you know, I think their, their dream, obviously, is to be actors or be famous in some regards. But the, the topics they deal with on this album aren't shallow, even though it kind of seems that way. Um, I mean, they're, they're like this song in particular. It's not it's not so much a. Oh, remember, remember that one relationship I was in? It's more of a man. I miss these particular moments, and I feel like that's something you don't hear a lot in popular music. And I think they're kind of straying away from that to to produce music that can be consumed by a mainstream fan base, um, while also holding its own with the likes of artists who actually make really meaningful music. Um, I believe that Wallows's career is far 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 from over i can see these next two or three albums they're going to produce to be absolutely fantastic um and i know they're going to there's a good chance they are going to take the same route that walk the moon did all right walk the moon had a fantastic man i should put them on here walk the moon had a fantastic fucking debut record absolutely amazing and their sophomore record was you know it was it was pretty solid even though that one song shut up and dance with me is on there and a couple other like really poppy hits there's still some deep-rooted um lyrical uh, lyricism in there uh and then that third album man total dog shit i'm sorry guys but um i'm really hoping that that's not the case for wallows i can definitely see it just from the influence that uh being in la i mean this is a band that already started in la so um i can only imagine the influence they have from uh their friends that are producers and other friends that are uh, musicians out there um i feel like i don't know i feel like that might happen to artists that are from not LA, and then they end up moving to LA, which is like kind of what Walk the Moon did. They're they're a Midwest band, but they moved out there and all that bullshit. So, I'm hoping that's not the case for Wallows. I'm hoping that they stay true to who they are while evolving their music um, and being sophisticated with it at the same time. Uh, the same way, like I said, Cage the Elephant did. Um, but if you haven't listened to this album, it's it's called Nothing Happens. There are more than enough fantastic songs on there. Not a bad song on there. Uh, I believe I rated it in the high eights but uh, on my review of it two years ago, but listening to it again and again and again, it keeps growing on me, and it keeps showing why it's such a fantastic album. This is definitely like uh, a mid-nines for me. Um, but going away from an artist that is just starting, we're going to go back into art, an artist that has been around for a long time. This debut came out in 2004, I believe, and uh, it is Arcade Fire, and the song is from their album Funeral. This is the uh, second time that Arcade Fire has shown up on one of these playlists. Um, same with Oliver Tree, but who gives a fuck? Um, I'm a huge fan of Arcade Fire. Seeing them live is something of nothing short of a religious experience. And this song in particular really got me into them a while ago. Uh, I think I was it on The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I believe it was. I think it was. Uh, and that's one of my favorite movies of all time. 
uh, unironically. So, you know, just the way it builds right at the beginning was so strange to me because I feel like a lot of people are so used to traditional song structure starting off slow and then kind of building up to it. But right from the beginning, they bring in this chorus of what sound, uh, what sound like a, sorry, I was taking off my glasses, what sound like like a, a, a choir of children backed with this absolutely huge thunderous boom of instrumentation. Um, and then, you know, the lead singer comes in and starts singing these this powerful kind of ballad-esque song. It's epic. To say the very least, it's epic. Um, and I think this song stands out the most on this album. You know, I am more of a suburbs and neon Bible kind of guy. Uh, not so much Funeral, but I think Funeral kind of really kind of pushes what Arcade Fire was trying to do um, and what they eventually did do because they had became a, a prolific band, a sought-after act at many music festivals, um, especially as of late when they released their um, their most recent LP. I think it was 2017. Um, it, was, it was a solid record, but nowhere near as good as Funeral, nowhere near as good as The Suburbs, nowhere near as good as Neon Bible. Um, I think Arcade Fire has such a knack for creating singles that they're not so much catchy <clears throat> as much as they are just fucking good like they're just fantastic songs this song um keep the car running uh month of may they're just like i said like a lot of singles can be catchy but these songs are good like they're meaningful the instrumentation is smart and the arrangement of their albums is also very smart the way like i said uh the same the same thing that um you know, Wallows did, and maybe Wallows is inspired by this, but they control the mood of the listener as you progress through the record. Um, I have no clue what's in store for the future of Arcade Fire, um, especially after this last record. You know, I, I feel like they were definitely trying to appeal to more of a mainstream audience rather than anything else. Um, and some of their some of their material kind of seemed empty to me. Um, but when we're talking about their debut, when we're talking about Funeral, none of this is empty. This is all heartfelt, epic. Um, putting on this song is like an instant smile on my face and just an instant way to just kind of – it pumps you up more than anything, actually. Um, I think every music, every movie should use this uh, music, this song in a uh, – like a cha- – like a, not a chase scene, but like um, like you're running after your dreams, like you're running after the lo- – also, I want to know what their name means. I really don't know what their name means. Um, so that's that's it on Arcade Fire. Let's get into Vampire Weekend, huh? I'm a huge Vampire Weekend fan. A uh, huge reason why they're on this uh, on this playlist. You know, their first three al- albums were phenomenal. Um, the song in question on this record. Is your bad My dog, uh, Sam, just jumped on me uh, recently, so I'm sorry if you hear any uh, huffing and puffing in the background. 
Anyways, so Vampire Weekend. Uh, let me tell you a short story about the first time I saw them. I got super stoned with my buddy Jason. Shout out to you, buddy. Um, and I was seeing it with uh, my best friend Miguel and my sister. We got super stoned right right beforehand, and um, they opened up. Uh, they opened up with a punk. Okay, we're all dancing. We're having a great time. And then like, as soon as the song ends, it starts over, and we're like that's fucking weird okay whatever so we'll keep dancing keep going keep going we're out of breath you know we're having a good time but i'm like man that's this is like the longest it's got the longest version of a-punk i've ever heard right and this finally ends i'm like awesome then they fucking started again and i remember in this moment i like stopped <laughs> stopped being like happy and excited and i got scared and i looked at jason and we're, we're both <laughs> we didn't say anything but we both looked at each other and we're like did we just smoke ourselves into a time loop <laughs> it was <laughs> It was like ridiculous, and I looked at Tori, who I mean, he, she she doesn't smoke, so she was like, <laughs> she was like, no, you fucking idiot! Like they just played it three times. I'm like, that was insane. That was crazy. So like, what a way to um, what a way to open a set. I know ever since then, because uh, I saw them a couple more times when they visited Chicago. Um, they play a punk more than once, which is a super fun thing to do. Um, so, anyways, their debut album, um, absolutely amazing. You know, I mean, it has A-Punk, it has Oxford Comma, it has this song, it has Walcott, it has, um, fuck, what's that last song? Oh, it's, um, The Kids Don't Stand a Chance. That's a, that's a fantastic, uh, way to close the album, too. Uh, so Vampire Weekend comes on the scene with this. Uh, everything they, you know, the way they sound is quirky. You know, it doesn't sound like a usual kind of rock band feel. Everything from Ezra's voice to the tones of the guitar, the short and snippy riffs they play, um, you know, they start with this album and then they go into Contra, which is a prolific album, fantastic record. Um, some of my favorite songs by these guys are come from that, that record. Um, but I mean, like I said, this song, like these, this album starts it all off. Um, and A-Punk obviously became, you know, the song from Step Brothers. Um, Kate Cod Kwasa Kwasa is just a fantastic song to not only hear live, but just kind of just jam out. Everything on this album is kind of mellow, but I know everything that they talk about is kind of deep. Um, I know there's a lot of religious, uh, inflammation, 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 inflammation. <laughs> there's a lot of religious themes in their, uh, in their, uh, throughout their records. Um, this song in particular is actually about, you know, the feeling of youth and, um, you know, you're, you're young and you're experiencing like this kind of like sexual tension with someone, um, which I think they portray really well, not through, not just through the lyrics, but like through the instrumentation, you know, the way the, um, the chorus kind of swells and he's kind of yelling. Um, it's a beautiful thing, man. Love's a beautiful thing. Music's a beautiful thing. These guys are, you know, they're, they're more, more famous than I ever thought they'd be nowadays. Um, and their connections are actually kind of crazy. I know, uh, Seinfeld was just in their last music video. Um, I believe one of the one of the members in the band, his uncle is uh, uh, Steve Buscemi, and um, I know Jake Gyllenhaal has been in their, their music videos. They just have a bunch of random shit, and their music videos are super fun too. Um, if you've never seen the uh, music video for Cousins or even Oxford Comma, Oxford Comma's music video is amazing, you know. So these guys, they they, they stepped on the scene and they're like, "This is who we are," you know. We're different, uh, we're quirky, but it's not like that overbearing quirky you know this was this was pre uh this is pre the 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 popularity of twitter and instagram uh, and tiktok and all that bullshit um where like being quirky is kind of like the sought after weird lifestyle now that everyone wants to be like a, a fucking quote-unquote crackhead or whatever uh this is them stepping on the scene and saying listen we know we're different but we're gonna own it um 
and it's the sound this uh the sound of their music is so unusual in this kind of genre um and i, I mean his voice kind of his voice kind of uh, amplifies that so but everything they do is so artistic in a way as as goofy as it is i think the best way to describe their music is abstract art you know like modern modern art abstract art it's it, it's it's hard to really pin down a reasoning for it all but it makes you feel something very good inside and i'm a huge fan of abstract art so that's my best explanation on vampire weekend i think that their influence is fantastic because they they mesh a lot of oh excuse me that was gross <clears throat> they mesh a lot of different um genres together for this cohesive sound they have they have made and they're so popular for so if you haven't listened to the debut record all the way through it's fantastic um and everything they do just kind of gets better uh, except for that last album, The Father of the Bride. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I think it's pretty good. I don't think it was amazing. It does not stand up to the modern vampires of the city uh, or Contra. But listen to their catalog. If you get a free day and you're looking for some different music to listen to, listen to all their albums in order and you will be going on a trip. Um, and like I said, the same thing about Cage the Elephant. When you get a chance, fucking see Vampire Weekend. That is such a great show. So much fun. Um they always do this thing at the end where instead of having like uh, a traditional encore, they ask uh, fans in the stands to uh, recommend a song. So they're always going to be playing deep cuts, whether they like it, like it or not, which is actually kind of impressive. There's been a couple times where I saw a band like in a small venue and like people would shout out, hey, play the song. And they'd be like, you know, we would, but we actually don't remember it. Like we don't remember the chords. Um, so hats off to them. I mean, over well over 40 songs in their catalog and they know them all by heart <laughs> like enough to just rip them off whenever uh someone asks so good on them uh we're gonna go on to uh, another uh prolific artist uh, in my opinion i feel like not enough people talk about these guys uh it's band of horses actually and their song the great salt lake i'm sure i could steer oh Great Salt Lake. The reason I chose this track over um, their more popular track, actually probably the most famous track, uh, The Funeral, was because I think this song embodies their whole catalog better than The Funeral does. Um, the funeral is so, I don't know, because the funeral does a really good job of swelling and using his vocals as, you know, a tool. Um, but I absolutely love these guys. I haven't listened to them in a long time. I'm really happy. You know, a lot of these bands, actually, that I put on this are bands that I've loved forever and I haven't listened to in forever. Um, I'm a huge fan of this album. I actually think uh, Why Are You Okay is a better album for me, personally. I'm a huge fan of that one. Um, that one has In a Drawer and Casual Party and all the other good stuff. But, I mean, these guys fell off the face of the earth recently, and I really wish they would make a comeback. Really wish I could see them live because I never have. Um, I know my boss, Alan, he's a huge fan of these guys. <clears throat> I think he's seen them a couple times. I know one time they opened up for Pearl Jam, and my boss has seen Pearl Jam like 30 times. Um, but, no, th what I love about them is that their music sounds like a feeling more than anything else. Um, the production is is minimal. Um, the way they, they – the, 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 uh, 
sorry, the way that her guitars are toned and the way his voice sounds so helpless at times is is haunting. And that's what their music is. It's haunting. It sticks with you. Um, you know, I think that this band and their songs make me think more than any other band out there. You know, I I think the most when I'm with when I'm listening to these guys. You know, and it's everything sounds so mellow and you know kind of sad and i think their work should be celebrated more than it actually is um this is a band that i don't hear their name brought up enough in terms of fantastic bands from the 2000s and the 2010s who have such a fantastic catalog for alternative music um their 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 songs are more of a feeling and an experience than most other artists out there you know and that's just my personal opinion but i think that they outperform themselves on every record they outperform so many other artists by the way they take their time with creating this the arrangement of songs on their albums to really build what they want the the viewer or the listener to feel I'm sorry that was slow. I was really trying to work that out through my mind because I had that in my head earlier today, but I wasn't sure how to say it. Um, but Band of Horses' debut album came out in 2006. I don't know, actually. It was before 2010. Um, man, this is a fantastic record. This is a fantastic song. Um, I think that the best time to listen to these guys is when it's raining out. You know, you can't do anything. Sit by a window, put these guys on, maybe light a candle, drink some coffee, and just really focus on everything that's going on. I want you to focus on the instrumentation, and I think their use of bass is actually fantastic because uh, it seems so subtle, but when you're listening to it with, like, over-the-ear headphones, um, you can really feel the bass lines, and it kind of vibrates your whole body. Um, so, Band of Horses. Uh, the Great Salt Lake. We're going to go into uh, uh, one another one of those bands that had a fantastic debut and kind of fell off. Um, again, no, not Weezer. Their debut album, The Blue Album, came out in 1994. This is uh, The Killers with their 2004 debut, Hot Fuss. And, uh, you know, they're fanta- this, this song is fantastic. It is all the things that I've got. This album is such a, like a, I would say, yeah, it's it's a pinnacle of what alternative music was in the 2000s. Um, and sadly, they, they just could not replicate that kind of um, emotion and sound throughout the rest of the albums that they've produced, you know? Everything has gotten poppier and poppier. Uh, yes, Sam Sound had a couple standout um, uh, hits like uh, Read My Mind and shit like that. But this album... You know, it has Mr. Brightside. It has um, Change Your Mind. It has this song, uh, Jenny, You're a Star. It's it, uh, it. There's too much to be said about this album that hasn't already been said. You know, Brandon Flowers really establishes himself as a lead singer and frontman that has 
restraint with his vocals but also really knows how to punch it up and i think this song is such a perfect example of that because it's such an epic it is it you know from the very beginning of the uh the piano you know it's same same way uh same reason runaway by kanye hits so hard it's just the, the simple piano at the beginning and the way it builds up you know this is exactly how runaway was kind of modeled after um and just the change of like the change of i mean the progression of the song is fantastic from this um the from the verse and chorus into the bridge where he's like i i got sold but i'm not a soldier you know it, it, and this song was one of my favorite songs of all time for the longest time it still is um but i mean if you ask me like 5 or 6 years ago the killers were probably one of my favorite bands ever since they've kind of they've kind of gone down in um in potency for me and importance uh just because they keep releasing you know the same thing but poppier and i don't like that it really sucks there i mean there's a song off their most recent album that i was a fan of but everything else kind of just sounded like shit to me um and you and that you hate to see that with one of your favorite bands when when they kind of go down the drain in the way you don't want them to go like i've said before everyone should should progress the way cage the elephant did by keeping keeping some dignity within their music so um Yes, all these things that I've done. What a fantastic song. What a fantastic kind of structure for alternative ballads to be. Um, and I think the killers really paved, like, I mean, again, like like same thing with the strokes. They kind of paved the way for a lot of alternative bands for um, instead of like, instead of that grungy sound, they really had that poppy sound that wasn't too poppy. Um I mean, Mr. Brightside is one of the most fucking popular songs of all time, dude. You know, like, that's crazy. Uh, it's just, it's so sad to see that they're just not the same band that they used to be. Um, but, man, love this album. And I think a lot of people do. A lot of other people do, too. Um, so let's get on with the final song, the final artist of the day. It's a Chicago artist. Shocker, I always have one on here. Um, this band is two albums in now yeah the most recent album came out last year um i really love the sound they're going for i really love the lyricism and the instrumentation of everything they have um and this band is called whitney and the song we're playing is light upon the lake puts such a um real and unpolished feel to their music um i think they're one of the more they're definitely one of the more popular chicago bands right now i know last year or two years ago they sold out four straight nights at thalia hall which is kind of ridiculous considering they only have two albums out uh i feel like that would just be the same set list over and over it's not like they have a huge catalog or anything um and let alone their, their second album took, I think, three or four years to come out. Yeah, it was three, actually. But uh, this debut record by them, fantastic. Um, it starts off with the song No Woman, and then eventually goes into Golden Days and Dave's song, and then this song, and then uh, Red Moon, which is a great 
instrumentation um the way they use instruments in their music oh sorry the way they use their music uh, instruments in their music is uh, amazing because it's not just um it's not just guitar drums bass it's um trumpets and a brass line and uh, an orchestra almost um but they don't use it to be big and boomy they use it to invoke emotion more than anything you know i feel like a lot of times when um let's say nathaniel rateliff and the night sweats i mean that is an act that has an orchestra kind of feel in order to be larger than life to really bring that um like larger than life feeling to it while whitney is so subtle with a lot of the way they say things um i mean golden days is not such so much reflection on the best days in your life but realizing that some of them is are behind you and you want to feel that way again you know dave's song is all about a friend that you lose to a certain either substance or way of life and um them not wanting to be quote unquote saved this song is about reflection um and I love his voice. I love the simplicity of the production and the instrumentation on this song in particular. I feel like every time I'm listening to them, I feel like I'm listening like straight from the vinyl, which is absolutely stellar. Um, you know, it it's so it's so somber, but not in bad ways. Um, if you haven't listened to this record, highly recommend it. They're a fantastic band just down the street, right in Chicago. Um, I know they're very active in the community, uh, and I also know they take their time on their music, but they really do love the live shows. So I'm really hoping uh, once everything clears up eventually, they're going to be one of the uh, more active bands because I know they absolutely love touring and playing live. They do pop-up shows all the time. Um, they do free shows too. I think they've played at uh, Millennium Park multiple times just for like a free sh- uh, like show and shit. So. Yeah, that was the podcast. Um, hope you enjoyed it. I hope everyone learned a little bit. If they hadn't known anything about some of these artists or if there's something that you don't think is right that I said, I am always open for debate because I will always prove you wrong. <laughs> um, that may not be the case. If you are knowledgeable on any of the subjects and you would like to talk about it, reach out, uh, shoot me an email at slater at local209.tv or follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, my Twitter is Mike Kristen. Uh, don't forget the Z before the Y. And then my Instagram is just Slater219. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing uh, another On the Radar, I believe is next week. Oh, no, you know what? That's two weeks from now. I forget. This is a weird month that has, like, four full weeks. That's crazy. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to be back next week. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a lot less busy than I was, um, you know, a month ago. But uh, that, I'm sure that's going to be picking up again soon. Thank you for listening. I've been Mike. This has been Mike Makes Playlists. I'll see you next week. <laughs>